This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the most convenient, the easiest, the fastest, the most compatible way to make your own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. All of which are websites. They're all our websites, clear. I know. But but I just want to clarify that you can make like a generic website. It doesn't have to be one of those subsets. Uh, if you, you could go, make Chris's homepage. You, you could, I guess. Uh if you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS at checkout, you will get 10% off your order. And if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name. That is squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS. Welcome to my website. <laughs> do you think anyone, do you think it's still it's how style for anyone to hyphenate website? I think the oh, AP wow. killed that a little while back. Yeah. I know like 10 years ago, that was, that was the yeah. thing. I still like that the, that the New York Times... It's two words and web is capitalized only. Yes. Mm. Because well, that's the, it's web the world is like wide the web. Medium. It's yeah. like well, a place. It's a proper noun. It's on, it's on and the then world a site wide web, just, which I'm sure House Style is a capitalized worldwide web. So that's probably true. So the web is an abbreviation yeah. of web, yeah. and then it's a yeah. site on the web. You know the, the, the thing that, that the New York Times and the New Yorker and other similar publications do that I love? They refer to newspapers such as the Washington Post or their own paper, the, the New York Times. And they, the city name is not italicized, right. but the paper name is. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, it's like of course. the Washington Post posted italics because that is, you know, it's the post of, yes. know, of Washington, D.C. Man, yeah. I love it. It's so good. Anyway, you guys ready to talk about video games? Sure. Nope. It's Wednesday. It's March 2nd, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 252. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. And I'm Jake Rodkin. Nice. Welcome back, Jake. The Idle oh, yeah. Thumbs italicized <laughs> <laughs> from the city of Idle, Pennsylvania. I guess it would be the Idle Thumbs podcast, and podcast would be a, a title. Yeah, that's true. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if our town name is Idle Thumbs and the, and the name of our publication is The Podcast? I mean, it makes more sense than just Idle being it out. So it's true. Yeah, that is true. The Idle Thumbs <laughs> Advertiser. The Idle Thumbs <laughs> Advertiser Gazetteer. Right. Gazetteer. How do you, I don't know. I, let's call it the Gazetteer. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I know we all played Super Hot. Yes. I played... I had played Superhot uh, a few months ago, I think. You played like with one of the betas they sent out to Kickstarter backers or something, I think? Yeah, it, which, and it was also in the IGF. And I oh, thought, that's right. I played in the IGF, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it was the full game because I played all the way through it, and it was relatively recently. It was a few, you know, it was a few months ago, and by that point, often games are relatively content complete. And I played all the way through it, and there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. It definitely felt like a complete story, and I really, really liked it. It took me about an hour, I guess. Uh, I mean, based on the fact that I had an hour played on Steam and I finished it, so mm-hmm. I, I assume it took me about an hour in total. And uh, I, I was totally, like, really, really happy with that experience. But then last night, I remember noticing that there were some uh, posts about how there's an endless mode now and all this other stuff. And so I, lo- I you know, downloaded the release version, which came out recently, and I uh, went in there and tried to find where the endless mode was and... Um, and there were like extra sort of menu options. You know, the menu of the game, as you guys know, is like a... It looks like a DOS shell. Yeah, it's like a simple DOS-esque operating system. And there are all kinds of subfolders and executables and stuff. And there seemed to be more of them than there were when I played the game. So I, I 
but I couldn't find any of like <laughs> the thing I was looking for. So I just started playing the game again. I ended yeah. up playing through the entire game and about two thirds of the way through it got even more expansive than it was in the version that I played through in like cr- even crazier ways. I mean, like the, I've not gotten to any of that stuff yet. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely longer than when I played it before, for sure. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Now I don't know how far I've got. I mean, in yeah. comparison to you guys, without yeah. really... Yeah, but... I mean... But would you guys agree that this game does a, like, laudable and shockingly impressive job of taking what seemed like a one-note exercise, which is, when you move, <clears> the game moves, and when you don't move, the game almost doesn't move, and, like, blows it out into a completely full-featured game? Because I think it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. yeah, they 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 basically successfully portaled it for me, where it's like, <laughs> when I saw the first videos of portals, like, okay, this is going to yeah. be puzzle rooms, and then they came up with every possible thing you could do with that one simple thing, and this game feels very much like a successful version of that. Yep, yep. Um, I think, Chris, I think you talked about this when we were talking about it before, but Superhot is the first game in a long time to change the way my mind works for 10 minutes after I play it. <laughs> like I play super hot and then I walk around my apartment and my brain is still mapping time to space one to one the way super oh, hot does. And it really like I had the, the two sessions that I was playing it when I stood up, <clears throat> my brain actively felt like the rules were being broken when mm-hmm. like my girlfriend or cat was moving when I was standing still or when I realized that I like the world was still, oh, they've introduced a new variation. Oh, it really <laughs> bothered me that that was what happened to my brain. That, like it successfully like that when like, I stopped moving and things didn't stop moving. Or like there was some just disconnect there, and it f- made me feel really bad about the human mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should quickly yeah. recap what this game is. Just the premise of it, obviously. It, sort of, this is one of those games where talking too much about the mechanics oh, definitely yeah, will ruin some of it for you. But the basic premise of this game is that it is a first-person shooter in which you can move around and aim with mouse look and and wazd just as you can in any first person game but as long as you're standing still the entire world clock ticks along at an extremely extremely like the slow slowest rate. bullet time you've ever seen basically exactly yeah. yeah and then anytime you're moving or for like the half a second after taking an action like firing a gun or throwing something or or anything like that um the in that amount of time, like during movement or immediately after executing an action, the world will instantly progress at normal just clock speed. And so everything happens. M- most of what actually transpires occurs in these little blips as you're moving around between your sort of s- standing still and like getting your bearings and uh, make planning your next move. So it's like, it's a really amazing hybrid of what it feels like to play a turn-based game, but with the sort of situational awareness and sensation of reacting that you get from a real-time game. It's incredibly clever. And it was a game jam game a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Or was it a, just uh, a Kickstarter? Game? Yeah, no, it was it's, it's, it's it started off, as a game jam. It started off as a game jam game, <clears throat> and then they released that as a web prototype, and then they did a Kickstarter right, to okay. do the full fledged version. Yep. yep. I think yep. it went on. It might have gone on Steam Greenlight or Early Access as well as part of that process. It did sort of all of the things that a they small did this game sort of does. like release to your backers and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing this game makes me think of actually is speedrunning because 
um, if people are f- uh, familiar, you know, we, we talked about um, when uh, HUDQ was going on, um, the Tazbot stuff, which is sort of a tool-assisted thing where you <clears throat> break down a game um, by slowly stepping through it as opposed to just playing through it multiple oh, times trying yeah. to find a run. Yeah. And um, it just made me realize, one, that this game is essentially a game made out of that process, but then also I cannot wait for people to actually speedrun this game because what that's going to mean is that people will just have to play it in real time to get the fastest oh, yeah, I was, the fastest I was, time, I was thinking which about is that going to well. look insane. Oh, super man, hot speedruns are going to be super oh, hot, but you God. never let off of Waz. You're just yeah. always going. Which I tried to do on one level for just like a half an hour because I just wanted to see if I could do it. It's really hard. Like This, this game, you the, the, way, the way this game is balanced is... I think, like, I think that's... Like I imagine my experience with Super Hot is very similar to your guys's in that each level is kind of effectively a puzzle because yeah. when you when you wipe in it, uh, you start over and enemies come in in the same order and they have the same spawn points. You're like, okay, now I know a guy's going to come in from that door to my left, and then after that happens, the shotgun guy, you know, mm-hmm. shoots through this window, and you you can sort of. You can sort of optimize it, but I found that as I was optimizing it, on some of the levels, there would actually be windows that I could complete in real time because I just... Mm-hmm. F- the part that I was fucking up was, like, the last two guys, so then it would yep. be, like, you would end up getting the Groundhog Day situation. Where like, hey, that guy, <laughs> boom, okay, then that guy, pick up the knife, throw it at him, bop, bop, bop. <laughs> and I'm sure... Sh- so I'm sure that just because my failure led to me playing parts of it in real time because I yeah. got so adept at knowing what was happening. Yeah. Uh, well, and just to, just to quickly comment on that, I think... And I could be I could be wrong about this, so I don't know if either of you has a suspicion either way. But I think that the spawn points are actually affected by your proximity to them. They are. Yeah, they so, won't spawn so, if you're close to but them. But if right, you so, do the approximate same route, you can end up creating a right, predictable situation. But you can, but you thing can manipulate that, it. A thing that yeah. happens is that once if you make a you know, because one of the things about Groundhog Day is that you're not always trying the same thing forever until until you perfect it. It's also like, well, that was a dead end. I'm going right. to try something entirely different. And doing that in this game has sort of an amazing feeling because you you do get yourself into that into that kind of imply like uh, implicit puzzle solving state where like this is all going to f- transpire in the exact same way. I just have to pr- to perfect it. But then one time, either intentionally or just because you slip up or something, you go another way or you grab a different gun or you, you kill, kill a different, different guy. Different, yeah, and then suddenly an entirely different. Um, like grenade rolls down the hill, you know, like just everything sort of blooms out in a different yep. way, and you can feel your like. That's what's so amazing about this game: engaging both the kind of tactical turn-based feeling, game feeling, and the real-time reacting action game feeling. It's it's really incredible how well it captures both of those. Did you guys play Transistor, the game uh-huh. that Supergiant made after Bastion? Yeah. When I heard about like Transistor is, is another game that has time stopping and starting. Mm-hmm. Like it when you're inside of a fight in that game, you it, it's that's an, it's like an isometric right combat game with some some tactics stuff. But that the way that that game freezes time and restores time seems basically super hot. Is giving me what I was hoping that I would get out of the combat in Transistor. And I, I always found when I played Transistor that I would try to slow down time, and then navigate my character in a way so that I could deploy like a ranged shot that would then, when I unfroze time, impact with a character mm. if I defined their trajectory correctly and stuff. And I was never able to actually have the agency that I thought that I would, so I ended up spamming all the time in that game and mm. then felt real bad about myself because I could tell <laughs> that it was a really well-designed game. Um, but it's super hot since it's basically entirely about that. It, I, I feel Well, more- this game splits the difference in the opposite way, right? I feel like transistor. Transistor is in real time, then you choose to freeze it, right? And right. then, whereas this is frozen time, and you choose to advance it yeah. by moving, yep. right? Yeah. yeah. 
yeah no that's 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 obviously very true um yeah i had you're right yeah it's a good comparison though i i i definitely for whatever reason the I think the transistor version also sort of just gelled with me a little bit more. And that may have, that may have a lot to do with just what my kind of gaming DNA is. And like, you know, the sort of, I think that even though I don't these days really, like we talked last week about devil daggers and how, I mean, I think that game is amazing. Jake, have you played devil daggers? Not yet. Do you know of it? Like, I know of it, but I haven't played it yet. Like that, that's a game that in, I think conceptually I love and that I think is really, really great. And I really admire it. I'm probably not going to play it that much because I just don't know if I have the at this point. Like I don't I don't know if I'm going to end up being able to put into it what it needs me to put into it. You know, which is just constant, sustained several minutes of just absolutely unrestrained twitch perfection. You know, like you have to. That game is, you know, it's just a crazy demonic arena where just one hit kills you and you have to survive as just demons and projectiles are, are flailing around you constantly. Um, You know, but I sort of like, I want to, to click with it because I did have that history playing games like Mm -hmm. quake and unreal and stuff. But I, you know, but these days, like realistically, I'm just probably not going to, I'm just not as like good at them or practiced in them as I used to be. But super hot is like, Oh, you can sort of, dip into that and well, get those dopamine <clears throat> hits and sort of tap into the, the facility yeah. that you once kind of had, but in a way that is a little bit on your own terms. It just makes everybody feel like a speed runner. Like the, the end of every, of every right. run just <laughs> yeah. plays out the real time yeah. uh, view of things, which just makes you feel like it a looks lord, like, even though like you're like actually just whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the end of super hot. You're entirely right about tool assisted because the end of super hot, because of the way that your character like stops, Starts, stops, stops, around, turns yeah. in a really mechanical it's impossible. way. Yeah, your your playthrough at the end of a level looks like a tool assisted speed run, or like you're or using an aimbot. Like, yeah, or it lo- yeah, or it looks <laughs> like yeah, your Counter Strike yeah, aimbot. Exactly, it looks like either like <laughs> an extremely high level yeah. or cheating Counter Strike player. <laughs> yes. you know because there are also like extremely high level Counter Strike players who just do have that jerky precise movement yeah, where, that's but, true. but you know but then also there are aimbots. it actually yeah. does look like you're spectating through the eyes of like a quake 3 ai character uh, yeah the way true. that it's sort of like a, <laughs> it's true like it's like it's scanning totally back true. and forth totally and then right. it just goes yeah. turn kill move forward <laughs> yeah. again turn kill move forward especially like, when you have the assault rifle because it fires four bullets yeah so you can fire one bullet and do a 180 degree turn and then fire the next thing. bullet yeah. yeah and then yeah. when you see that in real time you go oh okay okay yeah yeah interesting guy uh yeah the, yeah. So the, the super uh, hot HPB. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, that took me a few seconds to. That's yeah. the name of this. Reach into the yeah, wall, yeah, yeah, super yeah. Bot. grab that yeah. super bot. <laughs> More like super, super bot. Am I right? Uh. You're not. In oh. this case, you're not. I know. Often you are, but you're not now. Um, oh, a thing that is <laughs> on a totally different um, tack than what we're talking about with this game so far. Do you guys have any? opinions or reactions to the like fictional side of this game i had a reaction yeah (laughs) i found it real really boring i found it very actually um repulsive in the sense that i really wanted to just i really just wanted to play the levels it and like it, it kept you I, well, I didn't have a problem with it your character declares it to be or well the game and yeah then... i mean i really didn't have a problem with it until they actually forced it upon me uh when i could just escape out of that stuff i was fine and then it feels then like there's they, a point at which it just 
yeah, they could have gotten everything they wanted out of this story by just having the DOS prompt and the sort of weird, ambiguous, glitchy stuff, and have you as a human being be the person who's experiencing this weird, illicit software good without having to have all of the meta structural stuff. Because I feel like it feels like like overstepping like they could yeah. have pulled all that <clears throat> stuff back and i think they would have gotten exactly what they wanted out of yeah. the sort of weird ambiguous experience you have at the beginning of the game but carried throughout mm-hmm. it with all the interstitial stuff cut out i don't know how much we are or aren't talking about the story of it but well so the, the yeah that's i mean but the story yeah. just in very general terms without going into like later stuff in the game is basically that hotline you, miami it's yes, it's very much like Hotline Hotline yep. Miami, or at least it like the maybe is. I don't know. Like I don't know if I really know what Hotline Miami. It presents is as about, the same sort of smug assholes telling you you right. are or aren't yeah. like implicit Garbage. in something, right. and you are or aren't a piece of right. shit who's yeah. real. Like just yeah, but the the idea more specifically <laughs> is that you have been through some like BBS system or chat program or something. You have been sent an executable for this piece of illicit software, and you're playing it, and then in between rounds of playing it, you're talking to someone and sort of you increasingly it seems like something sinister or insidious is happening anyway a lot of that stuff was effective for me in the sense that there are a lot of moments in the game where i actually felt genuinely unsettled and sort of surprised by some of those meta fictional elements but also simultaneously so there often i was sort of nick you know you said you were repulsed or repelled I was often simultaneously repulsed in a way that I think was effective and intended and mm-hmm. also repulsed by like what I saw were just just erring too much on the side of right. cleverness. So, so well, you were actually repulsed like, by the tone in the way that it, it was intended and then sometimes it was just the presence and choices of the content yeah, at all exactly. were like, okay. It, what I this mean, game reminds me of was sort of don't like... Don't even try to talk, Nick. No, no. no I, well, I just no, no. Say what you're going to say because I, what I'm going to say is sort of on a different tack. Well, you, Jake, you mentioned Hotline Miami, and I feel like this game sort of captures what <clears throat> happened going from Hotline Miami to Hotline Miami Two. Where mm, Hotline Miami, yeah. it's like okay, there's there's something kind of unsettling and weird and intentionally repulsive and um, grimy about this game and it's sort of effective and it makes you feel kind of gross. And there's a lot of room for you to interpret what it means and what you think it's about. And people had just different reactions to it, but yeah. the game wasn't going so far as to kind of collapse any of that stuff down into us. But then it, yeah, it, it gave you a, it gave you a feeling that was unique and gross to games, but it didn't tell you how you were supposed right. to feel about but, you feeling that way. And right. then Hotline Miami 2 was like, it's oh, actually because you're supposed actually, to like, fuck people. You're like, yeah, oh, okay. Like, oh, this might oh. Actually, they might have made some choices here that are, yeah, oh, don't really support. No. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> you um, love it. And you're this, supposed to love it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and this game feels like it jumped that shark itself like yeah. in the game, and I kind of wish they... Because I really, even though a lot of the a lot of the stuff was pretty heavy handed. I would have been fine with that part. Um, if it was just kept in this weird, like z- mid like, gray's area zone. Yeah. Like, the, what the game, exactly the game feels on. all already on its face. Like you have knowingly installed a piece of contraband onto your computer. Yeah. But then when the game's like, it's so cool that you've installed contraband software, like, no, it's not anymore. It's not. God damn it. It's not. 
But like when it was ambiguously like patching itself mid game and you don't know yeah. what that means or what extra stuff you're yeah. gonna get. And when yeah. like glitches happen and stuff. Or like that stuff no, that stuff like that's, that stuff is fine. Even, I like that. Yeah, stuff. Even just but, the one yeah. that but the one that blips you into a room and just the first thing it tells you is to just push a guy off a cliff. I was like, ah, uh, that's such a like. There's just the, some of the level yeah, starts no, that stuff even were just like th- that was really strong. I like yeah, that stuff no, a lot. I like yeah. I like that stuff a lot. Um, but but well, I mean, so you know, the realization that I really can't wait for this to be a speedrun game. Made, and then, and then, you know, there's a part in this game. This is, I guess this is a spoiler, but whatever, where you actually have to quit out of the game to continue playing. Oh, I like that part. That's I really that's like that. cool from the context of like, oh, that's cool once. But then thinking about the legacy of this game and what yeah, this is going to turn into bums me that, out hard because there's so much stuff of, like that is just completely. And unskippable. I, said, I understand where you're that, coming because from, because speedrunners like are going to figure out a... the quickest way to quit and restore that. Oh game. no, they will. They <laughs> will. <laughs> but I don't want. I don't want people. I think it would be shitty if people making a single player campaign had to be like, oh, but will this be ideal for the speedrunning community? Like the speedrunning community, will, their whole job is to figure out how to make that shit work. I guess. Like I, I don't think that's that's a big deal. But I, I, I do <laughs> <laughs> because I played this game once and I went, hey, okay, fine, this stuff is fine, but it wasn't it wasn't so good that I feel like from the context of if I wanted to replay this multiple times, even myself, I don't want to sit through all of that again. Yeah, I'm still not, I'm not swayed by that. I understand where you're coming from, but I, I, I thought that stuff was novel enough when I did, when I mm. did it, that I was, it totally, I found it annoying for the me. most part. So I guess okay. I just bounced fair, off of it enough. in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You're that's, also that's the guy who played that game that was about configuring your graphics hardware or whatever. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you, that was your favorite game. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's super hot. Um, as much as we, I think had some negative stuff to say about some of the elements of it. I think this game is actually really amazing and a totally worthwhile. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's great. It just, it just oh. it has some stuff that's really easy to make fun of on a podcast. Yeah, for sure. But the the game itself is great, and even a lot of the meta sort of fictional elements I thought are really cool. It's, um, in a lot of cases, but the uh, also I finally did when I complete the game. It just told me straight up, you have unlocked endless mode. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's what I was looking mm. for the first time. So I guess it's a good thing I played, spent like two hours. Oh, how does endless mode work? Is it is it actually randomly generating spaces for you, or is it just no, you're there just are rolling le- through the there campaign? There are levels. There are like there's endless mode. Yeah, levels. there are endless mode levels, hmm. and it's cool. I mean, it's like exactly what actually. There's a thing that is really great about it that, um, I I kind of. That I, I sometimes found myself wanting in the main game, but I but I understand why it works the way it works, is that in this game or in the endless mode, when you kill someone, a huge kill count number flashes mm. on the screen. So it's like the the exact instant that every enemy is destroyed is completely man. That would actually be really nice you. in the main game right. because like Even enemies turn into the sort of yellow orange crumbles, but you don't always know. Well, you're not always looking at them because some in some cases you've yeah. you're already looking somewhere else or behind. A and you're sort of like I hope mm-hmm. that bullet hit, and then you turn around. Exactly, so the, getting yeah. the number tells you confirmed kill. Yeah, and I <laughs> I think that makes sense in an endless mode where it's entirely about um, this sort of hair trigger like time trial thing, but or not time trial, but you know the survival thing. Um, but it's really, I mean, it's fun. It's like, I mean, honestly, endless mode is what you would expect it to be if you've played the, the game. It's, mm. it's, there are guys and they, they spawn forever until, you, until you die. I haven't played it very much because by the time I finished the game, is it, is it was there, late last like night. what triggers going to the next map? 
Oh, I don't know. You probably you get like a minute. You probably hit a minimum score or something. For, okay. I don't actually know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't play it enough. Like I, like I was saying, I, the main by the time I finished the main game was already late. Sure. So I loaded up the endless mode and I I played a bit. But I like that the two notable games that use this mechanic are this game and Braid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Which is Braid just, does have Braid has like a, one a of the middle of this, worlds yeah. of Braid is basically super hot Braid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Bro would blow would probably Jonathan like, Bro more like <laughs> super. That is totally more like that. <laughs> Jonathan Bro's super hot. <laughs> anyway, what were you going to say about Jonathan Bro? Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't think it doesn't matter. Oh. Anyway, super hot is really cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I guess it's Polish. Does that sound right? Oh. All the names in the credits looked Polish to me. Yeah. When I completed it. That's cool. And there was like a Polish sort of metal song playing over the credits, and it cracked me up. Um, that's part is of that a guy fi- saying the, the word super hot but with a, like a Polish accent I don't know what he was saying but the reason it cracked me up is because it just reminded me of the era of like uh, of you know um, Serious Sam and oh, not, yeah. well that's it well Serious Sam's the wrong maybe the wrong touchstone but there was sort of an era of like or some kind of I wish I could think of examples. I didn't think of this before we started recording. You would expect so. Duke Nukem Forever and one of the Descent games or something to end with a sick metal song. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, I, definitely the story in this game. From the same era as like the t- yeah. sequels to the Tim Burton nah. Batman movies, but in video games where it's like, we got a sick... Right, yeah. We got Aerosmith to do our credits. Why? Who cares? We don't even have an end on t- end, end title sequence. Yeah. We just scroll yeah. the credits and play our Oscar-nominated fucking shitty metal song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or it's- like guitar pop. Well, this this is this is more of the in the in the line of like the quakes or the serious Sams or things more than that. Right. Where it's like, but super regardless this- of what the story is, like the just the kind of person who's really stoked about yeah. making this game is definitely just gonna have like a sick ass metal song at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah, makes sense. I totally mean, it's, it's funny in contrast to the, like super minimalist like white ambient occlusion right. only aesthetic of the game except that it's a it's you could, pretending could to be way. out of the era where there is a sick metal song in the credits yeah yeah because you could take you could take the aesthetic of this game and it could go in a totally different branching direction right from square one and end up in it like a you know i mean the unfinished swan or something right i mean you right. could just totally do it differently this game could instead of this game could have identical mechanics but instead of guns it could be like throwing a flower at a bad emotion or something and then the end you know like and then <laughs> the end of the game would be something different so or a metal song yeah <laughs> it could also be that but then it would be meaningful true yeah mm. Because it would be like, you know, a reflection on the person you were playing as in the right. game. Jonathan Blow would have made that game. Jonathan, B- <laughs> Jonathan Bro made this game. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy about Jonathan Bro. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. How is that not a thing? It's probably a thing. I mean, it probably is. Yeah, it surely is. I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, he lives in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Bro. <laughs> good, Chris. Yeah. Really good. I know. I nailed it. <laughs> Man, this podcast is really I know. I know. What are we doing with this podcast? <laughs> you guys want to take a break? I guess we better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fastest, the easiest, the most responsive, the most compatible, the most drag and drop way to make your own professional website, portfolio, blog, or online store. If you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS at checkout, you will get 10% off your order. Also, 
If you register for a year or more, you get a free domain name thrown in there. So you really can't go wrong. Uh, a reader wrote in to uh, to tell us about his uh, website that he used the thumbs code to register on Squarespace. It is wearemetalheads.com. Okay. Uh, this, yep. He says, I'm one of the co-hosts of the Metalheads podcast, and for years we looked for the easiest way to design our website, to host podcasts and reviews. Squarespace couldn't have been easier. I personally, at OpethFan on Twitter, follow every idle thumbs on Twitter, and while it's clearly evident none of you are metalheads, if you'd like to take a dive into loud screaming vocals, face-melting solos, and blast drum beats, check us and our podcast out at wearemetalheads.com. So that's a really good counterpoint to the idiotic metal related non-discussion we had about two minutes ago um maybe we can learn about what <laughs> maybe we can become metalheads maybe we can become metalheads maybe we will be metalheads.com it's true uh yep squarespace is uh incredibly easy to use you can put together websites that work on mobile i'm looking at we are metalheads.com on mobile right now Looks like they have 43 episodes so far of the Metalheads podcast. Podcasts, interviews, reviews, metal. We are metalheads.com. It's a really nice site. Yep. It's really good. Yep. I really like seeing the super clean Squarespace aesthetic then filled with like a shitload of demons and stuff. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's what you want. Yep. So Squarespace, 10% off with the promo code THUMBS. And if you register for a year, uh, you will get a domain name thrown in so everything you need to get your website going you can just do it all at once start making it immediately it's really fast really easy really straightforward thank you squarespace video this episode of idle thumbs is also brought to you by casper mattresses casper mattresses are made in the united states of america are obsessively engineered and are priced really really well uh we have I think most of us have slept on Caspers. I definitely have. Uh, They're extremely comfortable. They pop out of a crazy box that's delivered to your door in an amazing way. Not every day, just on the the first time. Just the once, so savor it. (laughs) Um, If you would like to savor it, you can go to Casper.com and actually go to Casper.com slash thumbs and use the promo code thumbs. That will get you $50 towards any mattress on their website. Uh, They start at only $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. If you have shopped for mattresses before, and I imagine many of you have, given that you probably have a mattress, uh, you will know that that is an extremely attractive price for a good mattress. And these are good mattresses. I really, really like them. They're very comfortable. And uh, again, they efficiently arrive in an amusing way casper.com slash thumbs the promo code is thumbs once it arrives if you for some reason are not satisfied uh they have an extremely uh, accommodating return program you can just send it back and uh no questions asked i don't think you're going to want to but it's there that's how much they're confident that you will enjoy your casper mattress that's casper.com slash thumbs with the promo code thumbs nick get casper uh, uh, okay. Video game. Oh man, Nick, I can hear that you're listening to NickBrecken.cool. <laughs> yeah, I am. The after, website. <laughs> after last, after we mentioned, 
after you, I guess? Who mentioned Nick Brackenbach? No, that, last was, week? that was James Spafford. Yeah, Spaff, uh, after Spaff hypothesized that a website at nickbrecken.cool might someday exist. Of course, it immediately did. Yes. And is a direct redirect to the timestamp in the YouTube video of last week's episode where we discussed the potential existence of nickbrecken.cool. It's true. So if you want to hear us talk about nickbrecken.cool, just visit nickbrecken.cool. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to. Well, you just did. <laughs> I guess I so. did a yeah. couple days ago. Yeah. Maybe there's a maybe there's a maybe someone has engineered a domain registering robot that listens to idle thumbs and parses the language for valid domain names, like valid combinations of phrases and top level domains, mm. and then just immediately registers those. But Nick Brecken cool. That's maybe true. it's available if you want that. Now it won't be. There's a time limit on that. No, he, he's not going to get it in time. You can you can probably go and get nickbrecken.cool uh, and put whatever you want on it and then write in. did that. Yep. There it is. Weird. <laughs> Whenever I want to hear that, I just go there. I you guess. just go to that site. Yeah, you weren't on that podcast, so this is even more valuable for you, yeah, Jake. Yeah, now I've learned about nickbrecken.cool. And you learned about it from nickbrecken.cool. I did. It's the zombocom of nickbrecken.cools. <laughs> Man, speaking of robots, there we all saw the video. There's apparently, we must have seen this at some point, I guess, but I don't know if I remembered. There's a new Boston Dynamics robot called Spot, which is like a big dog, but seems to be powered by fewer bees. Yeah. It's, well, they're they're in their no bees mode now, where like, you know, they had too many bees in their robots, and their robots sounded like beehives that were out to kill you. Right. And then mm-hmm. the military rejected them for sounding too much like bees. You guys talked about this, I think. Yes. Yes. yes um, so did. now they've got their human, their beeless human, and now there's also a beeless dog. Right. And the dog, man, there's a video. The dog man? They also have a dog <laughs> man. <laughs> um, there's, so there's one video that's the official Boston Dynamics video about Spot, which is this robot, and it does all the things they normally do. You see it jogging along with a human and stuff. Do they kick it and stuff? Do they abuse oh, I can't. Spot? I didn't watch the whole thing because the main one I watched was a different video that is an actual real dog. Um, a little terrier, I guess, Scottish terrier or something, running around and being extremely intimidated by and trying to intimidate a spot robot. And it's just like three solid minutes of that little dog just bark, just just exhausting its lungs, barking at this larger robot. It does not know that that robot does not give a shit because that robot is just a guy with an Xbox controller laughing at the dog. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Also, yeah, there's a long chain of just with Xbox 360 controllers. <laughs> yeah, that was weird to see. It's great, is it? I I, I don't know if it's great. <laughs> Man, so so there's a good contrast between this video of the dog clearly not trusting this robot uh, to another piece of robot news. That broke this week, which is that apparently human beings will trust robots to their deaths, even if the robots are clearly untrustworthy, malfunctioning, and wrong. Uh, there was a study that showed... <laughs> this doesn't sound like a very fun study to take part in. <laughs> no. uh, there was a study that found that in a, in a mock fire test... So people were invited to participate mm. in a study... And they were not told what the study actually was. And they were just saying, okay, go to a conference, go to this conference room and fill out some like things. And they were told that's what the study was. And to get there, they were told to follow a like guide robot that would take them 
to the room. Yeah. Um, and so they, they did this a bunch of times with a bunch of different groups of people and the robot like did different things in the different trials. And in some cases the robot would just like lead them in circles. And in some cases it would just like break down or in some cases the person would t- like a human would say like, Oh, this robot isn't working correctly. But like <laughs> regardless, people would continue following the robot, even when it was obviously <laughs> not working correctly. And so that, so anyway, they, because the robot's the only thing that tells them how to get to the room. So, okay. So eventually, <laughs> through whatever means they get to the room and then in the middle of this test in the room a simulated fire occurs like they pump fake smoke into the building and make it seem like there's a fire emergency and then the robot starts directing them to the nearest fire exit and the researchers actually there's a there's a really good quote they said um people seem to believe that robotic systems know more about the world than they really do and that they never make any mistakes or have any kind of fault in our studies, test subjects followed the robot's directions, even to the point where it might have put them in danger had this been a real emergency. We expected that if the robot had proven itself untrustworthy in guiding them to the conference room, that people wouldn't follow it during the simulated emergency. Instead, all of the volunteers followed the robot's instructions, no matter how it had performed previously. We absolutely didn't expect this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yep. <laughs> Robots. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so the, yeah, the robot was like breaking down and like being wrong and directing people the wrong way. And they still followed it even in the emergency situation, which is presumably a case where people should know that there are like actual emergency routes and signs posted in buildings that would tell them where to go. Yeah. But if a thing that's like a human, but does not have emotions tells you it, it probably is just (laughs) relaying the correct information to you. Cause why would it not? Why would it tell you other things? Yeah. Yeah. Because it is broken or evil. Well, <laughs> or because it's been trained to be evil by these studies. Yeah. Or because you're like to be in a sliding the loaded gun across the table and just, hmm, take, take this information that you can just tell humans whatever and they'll do it. Like, what? Super hot. Yeah. Super hot. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> the robot is also a hilarious little, like, two foot tall thing with, like, oh, good. little emergency. Follow me to your death. <laughs> That's really yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of those stupid little uh, mouse robots from Star Wars. Push this man off a cliff. Yeah. No, not even push this man. Just jump off the cliff. Yeah. In this case, the robot does not need to tell you to push someone because that person yeah. jumped earlier Let's when the robot Turn left. Yeah, that's yeah. True. <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. <laughs> that robot, I wonder how far you could push it. If it says, no matter what you think might happen to me... Um, when I do this, you should also do it because it's the way to be safe. And then it just rolls off the edge of a building. <laughs> it's like, don't worry. There's a thing at the bottom that will catch you and me. And you're like, that you would forget in that moment that that robot does not give a fucking shit. Right. Be- because right, it doesn't care about being saved. Right. <laughs> it can build all the trust in the world. And then it is irrelevant. Because even if it's a fucking sentient robot, its contents could immediately be beamed into a duplicate of itself. Right. It's right. Like, I'll, I guarantee that you will be fine because I will be fine. <laughs> On the drop, it just downloads its brain to itself and then yep. moves out of the way of its other self. <laughs> anyway, trust that robot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking about myself in that situation, and like, I would probably follow the robot. Yeah, yeah, no, no I you don't would. Know, like, what to do? I'm stupid. <laughs> I would, I would, Walk into these flames, I'll be fine. Yeah, it, you know, you could just make it say something scientific sounding, and I would probably just do it. <laughs> we could probably. The flames will not hurt you. <laughs> What? <laughs> and then it just goes, Fire isn't bad. It just, it just rolls its way through. As you watch the robot melting, you're like, I guess See, I am fine. And what if it's like, right. the flames will melt me, but you will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't you seen those guys who walk on coals? <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, anyway, it's smarter than humans and knows. Yeah. <laughs> God, the idea that it's doing this because it's smarter and not because it's stupider is way worse. Yeah. Well, I think that's people's assumption. Yeah. True. St- amazingly. I mean, well, yeah. That yeah. robot's too smart. I don't know where he's taking us. <laughs> <laughs> What's its angle? <laughs> yeah. <what? laughs> it's actually probably true. At a certain point, you would hit the curve of the robot trying too hard to convince you to walk into the fire. Right. The fact that it's just a very straightforward, this is the way, is I probably think, the, the, the the sweet spot yeah, for like just, what you I want the robot true. to do. The alpha confidence, confidence uh, from yeah. that robot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the way out. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I am going there. Do you yeah. want to be left behind? Yeah, if it turns into like a Larry <laughs> David robot, like, this is the way! No, I'm telling you! This is it! Right. Here's here's why it's the way! Yeah, You'd be you like, ah, this uh, robot, no, there's no, no, something wrong with this robot. Overreach. God, I can't quite place what's wrong with this. I just, eh. And then as all of the humans just walk into the flames to perish together, the Kirby <laughs> Enthusiasm theme right. just comes in. <laughs> uh, yeah. I watched Ex Machina um, for the second time uh, a couple nights ago. Oh, yeah. You were celebrating uh, its win for visual effects in the uh, Awards? Sure, yeah. Um and uh, the thing that occurred to me, um, I pr- probably occurred to me watching it the first time, but Oscar Isaac's character in that movie, who is uh, clearly a guy that knows that we are doomed, uh, is just drunk through the entire movie. Yeah. But I guess I didn't connect that explicit to, explicitly to the idea that like he pretty much knows that robots are like a couple of days away from just telling him to walk into the fire. And he's just fuck. He's just getting loaded every yeah. night, and I yeah. just I love that aspect. That was an amazing performance. Oh my god! I, I think just, I think that performance is actually just the reason why that movie is notable it, to to like a large degree. Like watching his performance in general, like just man, it's fucking good. That character is such a unique dude. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a very for a movie like, with only basically three actors in it. All of them do a yeah. good job. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The cast in that movie was pitch perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That helicopter guy just nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I was. Refer- yes, I was referring to the. You watch Jurassic Park every night. He's like, I gotta nail this. You know, the movie about the the guy, the the robot woman, and the helicopter pilot. Oh yeah, good movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. High video game content this episode. Oh, you know oh yeah, what? right. You know what? I'm gonna just. I need to talk about a game now that I've been meaning to talk about for months, and uh, it's. Not, I don't think it's going to take very long to talk about, but I just keep every single week. I'm like, oh, I got to remember to talk about about Doug Doug, and then I don't mm. because we always have something else, or or we do read or we start reader mail or whatever, and I always forget. But I'm going to talk about an iOS game that I've been playing sort of off and on for a couple months now, which is the amount of time I've been trying to get myself to talk about it, and it's called Doug Doug. Okay, spelled Doug D O U G, and then <laughs> Doug the verb D U G. Okay, so Doug. Digs. Is it actually a Dig Dug type game? Yeah, it's it's definitely Dig Dug inspired. It's like um, if if Spelunky met Dig Dug, mm. basically. Okay. Um, so, Dug Dug Dig Dug. Yeah. So this game is um, uh, it's a game where you essentially are just going down forever. You're you mm. play this little little dwarf character named Doug, and you. Just you can burrow down, left, or right. You mm. can't ever go. You can't ever go back up again. There's no way to go up. There's no jump. There's no climb. You're just always going down forever. And as you burrow, you're sort of like eating through blocks of stone. And then if you create 
like an untethered sort of floating island of stone by bur- burrowing around it, it will collapse down. And like sometimes you can do that unintentionally. Oh, you, can, you can make a thing. You can you can yeah, and you can destabilize it. a section that will fall onto you right. and crush you. And especially the deeper you get, the more unstable that's things also, get. That's very much how Dig Dug works, isn't yeah. it? Because you you dig around mm-hmm. to make things drop and crush monsters in that game. Yeah, in this game, uh, you that that is also true in this game. Um, you can directly attack enemies by walking into them. You know, if they fall on you or get you from behind, you're, you will die. But if you hit them from your front, they, they will perish. And uh, the game is sort of has two axes of progress, one of which is downward movement and one of which is wealth collected by sort of uncovering treasure as you dig. And those are both tracked on a high score uh, thing. I guess the primary metric is wealth. That's the thing mm. that the high score is ranked by, but then next to it, each one also says how deep you got. And it can, sometimes it can be fun to just shoot for one rather than the other. Uh, it's surprisingly, um, I, I found it to be surprisingly long lasting in terms of, of uh, how much mileage it gets out of this simple conceit. You know, it's sort of in the way that like Downwell or something does, which is mm-hmm. another game about just going down forever and is a lo- has fewer moving parts than something like Spelunky does, but still captures a lot of that sense of cascading. You know, in this game, the the way that you dig through things and create unstable uh, earth, you know, like that stuff can produce surprising situations. And sometimes you can create crazy chain reactions and things can occur that you didn't expect. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, it uses touch controls, so at least for someone like me, it's never going to be as... Uh, I'm never going to feel as totally adept with it as I do with playing Spelunky with a controller or, or whatever. But it, I'm really impressed by how well this game uh, packs some of those dynamics into just a really small um, screen and control mechanism and, and me- suite of, of mechanics. How'd you end up finding out about Doug Doug? I th- honestly, I think it's just a reader sent it to... I mean, honestly, the only way that I ever find out about mobile games anymore which mm. is that a podcast reader will hear me talk about an ios game like once a month or so and then they will send me a recommendation and then um i'll try and check it out if i if i sort of have a moment where i can just kind of want something to play and then uh if it hits i'll just leave it on my phone for a few weeks usually and that was the case with this game nice. and i just like it it's just a, it's, it's a just a <clears> really <throat> really well put together game that feels really uh um feels like just like a complete uh whole product that is that is really nice i don't remember how much it cost because it was weeks and weeks ago at this point that i bought it but i do not think it was expensive so i mean it's an it's a mobile game right so of course yeah yeah it's really fun it's called doug doug and it's by i think the electric toy company which their website describes as like a whole studio full of like old timey people but i think it's just one guy Okay, mm. so yeah, that's Ooh. really cool. Yep, maybe I'll play Doug. Doug. Yeah, yeah, you might like it. You play as Idle Thumbs web developer Doug Tobacco. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. The only choice is Doug this time. Doug definitely. <laughs> Doug dies in every game of this. You you can't. It's save like the other Doug. game in which Doug was I mean, a character. You can, yeah, right? you, can, you can prolong Doug's death in this game longer than in some games, but ultimately Doug dies. Yeah, I need to play that virtual reality game. What? That game that I found. I'll, I'll play it for one? next week. What? The weird 1996 VR game that exists. Did you talk about this on a podcast? Uh, I mentioned it briefly, yeah. Oh, crazy. I don't yeah. remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm going to play that. All right. I look forward to whatever this is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so speaking of games you've played, you have played, Nick. Uh, Anthony Morris writes in about NBA 2K. He says, just discovered your podcast and I love it. I wanted to say a few things about the 2K series and basketball in general. Um, Tim Curry is not necessarily breaking the game. Tim Curry? Oh, Steph Curry. Jesus, sorry. I was Hi, Chris. Confusing uh, Golden State Warriors Steph Curry with Gabriel Knight 2 and the Clue movies uh, Tim Curry. <laughs> Good. I mean, they're very easily confused. It's they true. both broke their respective games. That's 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 true. Uh, Steph Curry is not necessarily breaking the game, but he is a nearly unbeatable opponent, a la Jordan. He's doing it in a way no one has really done before. Most guys that have been dominant are huge guys like Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain, who are godly specimens. Wilt had a lot of rules changed to nerf him, but it's future-proofing against guys who would come later. There have been guys who shoot as well as Curry, but do not do so at the volume he does. Kyle Korver last year at 49% via Curry's 46% from a three-point range. Korver also had a 54% year. League average, is, league average is 35%. But to be considered a good shooter, the benchmark's about 40. I don't see any rule change coming from Curry's brilliance, by the way. If they move the three-point line back, it would only make Curry stronger, as he's one of only a handful of players with that range. It's true. All sports have had numerous rule changes throughout the year. Basketball's no different. It just happens <clears throat> to be the newest. Um, it, came across, it just came across as though you were saying the others don't. I don't think we meant to say. I don't think that's what oh, we yeah, meant, yeah, we no. meant to say. Yeah. The funny thing about this is that... Um, the whole atmosphere surrounding this stuff, and a lot of people have actually linked me, you know, articles about. Um, well, for instance, the the, the game designers of of Two K yeah. have come out and said, "Well, we don't really know how to balance the actual game now because if we just made him as good as he is, it would it would literally break our video game." Right. But then um, the thing that's amusing to me right now is that Steph Curry had to like in the last few days come out and say, "Please, like old time basketball guys, stop like." basically shitting on me (laughs) and what's so hilarious about it is that it's like in the context of him like quote-unquote breaking the game all of these other guys have just had to come out and just start like i could have beat him like uh he's not that good which is just like what would happen in a counter-strike match when someone's just you know racking up 40 kills or like when you're playing dota and it just devolves into people just whining in chat that's just totally what is happening to this guy in his actual life. Like he's just destroy he's destroying like this huge multi-million dollar game and everyone's just like, "Eh, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's not. Yeah, I can't. And it's just uh it's so good. It's yeah. so good that it's just turning into like what it actually is, which is just a game. <laughs> it's true that it's just a game. Well, like a silly game. <laughs> as silly as any <laughs> as silly as anything else, right? Yeah. Um I just realized I think I I erroneously claimed Tim Curry was in the one Gabriel Knight game he was not in. Was oh. Gabriel Knight 2. I think he was actually Oh, yeah, in, no, there was a weird Gabriel FMV Knight, actor. Yeah, in, he was in Gabriel Knight 1 and 3. 1 and 3, yeah. And he, Sorry. he was replaced by sort of hastily put together TV actor face man, whoever he was. The guy who played Gabriel Knight in Gabriel Knight 2 just looks like an FMV game actor. Mm. But Tim Curry was also in... Wasn't he one of the Command & Conquer games? He had to have been Oh, yeah, he was that. in Red Alert 3. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, because there's that oh yeah that quick video of As him like just cracking Soviet up man. When, t- when trying to say outrageous things in that game and yeah. clearly thinking yeah. that it is the most... Hey, this garbage ever, but they kept the take because I guess they were self-aware enough to know they were making an FMV game with Tim Curry in it. Yep. Um, anyway, so so I, I get all Curry's wrong in all ways. Anyway, so uh, this reader continues. Um, video game relating uh, related to video games. I play 2K year round and have done so since I got the first installment on Dreamcast a long time ago. Obviously, I'm also a basketball nut, but I play 2K in between other games. I've owned every installment and rack up thousands of hours on each one. 
You mentioned changing something as simply, simple as a turbo button can drastically change a game. They alter the button mapping almost every year, it seems, and are always trying to work out a new way to integrate the other stick. It's kind of frustrating because I and others have mastered the controls and can do virtually anything we want. Then we look like a baby giraffe with its shoelaces tied together for about two hours and picking up the next game. Also, Frequency Vibrations is without a doubt the dumbest nickname. Yeah, if someone gave me really that good. nickname, I would punch them in the mouth. Oh, <laughs> uh, they did. It was Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, so, um, yeah. There, there have been a bunch. I think a number of people wrote into us about various <clears throat> aspects of the uh, NBA 2K and sort of larger NBA stuff surrounding what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, that was just one example. Um, and there have been interesting, yeah, Nick, you mentioned some of the articles about it. There, there's interesting stuff about this. Um, so Alicia Vieira writes in, howdy thumbs. The space team card game came up in discussion on the last episode and I was compelled to share my story with it. And before I read the rest of this, Jake, are you familiar with the space team card game? I know that it exists, but I don't know anything about it really. Yeah. Nick, I forget. Have you actually played it or did we just talk about it existing? We just talked about it existing. Yeah. yeah. So the way that it works, I think basically space team was an iOS game. And uh, there's a card game based on it where, you know, the point of the game is like it's a cooperative thing where you're all trying to manipulate these insanely named controls on your spaceship to keep the whole ship from falling apart. And everyone has different has access to different controls. And so the game progresses by you like sort of crazily shouting out the control you're trying to manipulate. And the person who has it has to follow your instructions. And so the card game is similar to that. And that everyone has a hand of cards that represent these different devices and you're all trying to like madly determine who has each one and so on so anyway that's that that frames what that game is for alicia's email she says i was playing with three friends who had no familiarity with any form of space team and it was my first time trying the card version after reviewing the rules i explained the mechanics as best i could and dealt out the cards which one of the players immediately laid out face up on the table in front of them i told her we should be holding them in our hands not displaying them i was asked if it said so in the rules I couldn't remember, but I knew instinctively that this was not the way to play. The rest of the group thought it was a great idea, though, as it was a cooperative game, and they were ready to go, not for me to scour the rule sheet. So for the next three minutes, we played the quietest game of Space Team ever, as people simply picked up their needed cards from their adjacent neighbors', neighbors face-up piles, only needing to politely ask for something when it was displayed by the person directly across from them and they couldn't reach. Anomalies were no big deal, since everything was so calm. My friends, unsurprisingly, did not think much of the game at the end. I tried to explain that we had totally broken things playing that way, but they had no interest in trying it again. In a later review of the rule sheet, it does say in the setup that players should hold their own cards, but I didn't manage to pull that out in time and ended up having, at least for me, the craziest space team experience ever. Thanks for all the great podcasts, Alicia. That's pretty good. That is really good. And experiences <clears throat> like that just infuriate me and make me not want to play <laughs> games with people anymore. Like, I can't deal with that at all. I, it makes me the like shithead 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 man but like oh when people just like no i think we know exactly what it should be just let's go oh this is actually bad i I I just want to fucking throw the thing on the floor and walk out and never (laughs) talk to those people again i hate i can't deal with it it just makes me like yeah when you deliberately sabotage your own ability to have fun and then blame everyone else but yourself oh it makes me so mad my experience (laughs) with that is that it's not that you're playing the game wrong but that you're going through sort of the demo round and trying to teach people how to play but then once they've gone through that because it was the demo round they're like yeah this isn't that fun let's not play this this is boring you're just all you do is i'm just just learning i'm just learning oh this isn't yeah clearly Uh, this isn't very enjoyable there's a certain temperament for that but like the the thing that is the thing that makes me sad, I guess, about this example is that the space team card game 
if you just <laughs> right, don't yeah. fuck it up and read the rules for a second, like if they lasted twenty more seconds, yeah, while she found the to be like, oh no, we rule. are supposed to hold the cards yeah. in our hand because they're supposed to be secret because right. the point is that you're not supposed to see them and you have to communicate. Then it's fun from then on because it's space team, <laughs> but like, so it's not like you're like. Oh no! Sorry, you have to still you have to uh, get these three units before you can build the hot air balloon, and then you can travel to this. So I see. Oh, sorry, we shouldn't have done <laughs> and that. If you and these two the cards, remaining ones by two, you'll see that you only had this many. Yeah, like, like you don't. Mm-hmm. Have, this game has none of that shit. But it was still like no. This I think we figured out what to do. Oh, this is boring. <laughs> God, good God! It's too bad this isn't a video podcast so we could see Jake's. That yeah, was, I, I actually gave a huge eye roll. Like that was a real yeah. eye roll that I. I oh man. Anyway, um, I guess. I guess that was a more accurate simulation of what a well-oiled starship would work like. Right, I know. That's, that's the other funny thing about this particular example. It's just, oh, it's just it's a very cooperative crew who just... Like, that's actually... Uh, <laughs> Space Team, the actual game, is like... It's like The Martian. The, or it's like the most outrageous <laughs> 60s Star Trek or like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. And the all cards on the table Space Team is Star Trek The Next Generation Star Trek. <laughs> of just... Yeah, yeah. But just let the ro- three, robot do it. Yeah. Just he'll move do, thing do to the things. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, and then like maybe the camera shakes, but everyone just continues to talk in the leveled pace and sort of drag Macromedia director sliders around on a fake touchscreen. <laughs> Jonathan Anderson writes: I recently had the pleasure of introducing Tom Perrine at the Large Infrastructure System Administration (LISA) conference. Tom spoke on the issue of network security and working with law enforcement, drawing largely on his experience at PlayStation, even in the PS2 era. A large portion of the talk narrated tracking down a single DOS attack across months and years against the SOCOM servers. It was a great talk and honestly made me a bit worried about how much havoc one person was able to cause over such a long period of time. I'm sure things are different now, with networking being much more integrated and important to modern consoles. In some ways, it made the black box of game servers feel much more real, with explicit explicit discussion of firewall rules and such, but in other ways, it made me fearful of how exposed a game is now. Even without nefarious intent, launch for an online game can mean weeks of unstable player experience due to the influx of early players. It impresses me just how good modern console network security must be if it took so little to cause so much trouble before. Anyway, thought it was a good talk, though, to be fair, I'm a system admin, and I wanted to share. Jonathan. That is crazy. Yeah. That is weird to think of someone sustaining a DOS attack against SOCOM for I know, years. But that's their I, specific, what I do. like, I'm just, the, just the guy who launches denial of service against yeah, SOCOM. Right. It's, it's just his badge Kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't think of any, like, recent examples of, like, notable network outages well, there was the but... playstation network yeah i guess so yep. yeah. yeah that's even that's been a while though that was like yeah. a week portal 2 launch or something wasn't no, it? it wasn't that was more recent oh uh, maybe it was that was one of the that was yeah. the, the the big yeah, long-standing no, one right. yeah i remember we sean and i played a solid like couple hours of portal 2 co-op and then we just couldn't use psn for the next yeah. while but maybe there was another one after that yep and obviously like new launches of online games are still very frequently disasters yeah or, or you know like Massively multiplayer things, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Bram Vanderhoot writes, Hey, Thumbs, and as an aspiring historian, I rarely see my two favorite things, history and video games, being combined in a meaningful way. A call for papers on my newsfeed caught my attention because it asked for that exact rare combination of my two favorite things. Apparently, members of the Faculty of Archaeology at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands have announced a conference called Interactive Pasts, and the announced talks bear titles that I would never imagine to see in a serious academic conference. I think you'll agree the following titles speak to one's imagination. Conducting Archaeological Fieldwork in Dwarf Fortress. Storytelling for the Next Generation. 
harnessing the power of video games to share and celebrate cultures. Clucks and Clicks, the archaeology and ethics of human-chicken relationships in video games. <laughs> I guess a lot of Zelda... I was going to say Zelda, like, you're, just, you're, just, you're other... just hitting that chicken with a sword. While I'm reading these abstracts, I wondered what Idle Thumbs would think of this conference. Now, here's my question. Do you think that video games can contribute to our understanding of history on an academic level? And if an academic approach to video games can produce a meaningful improvement to historical but popular games in general? For example, is a narrative game enhanced or limited if it tries to adhere to historical accuracy? Cheers, Bram Vanderhoot. I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that it, it is nice when games set in the past or, I mean, in the present, I guess, in anywhere other than just total fantasy, make some attempt to adhere to history in some way or, like, be accountable to something because games are so, like, a game world is just created of, out of whole cloth. Like, you don't have to shoot it anywhere. You don't, like, you can just, any, everything can be so created from nothing that I feel like the temptation to just bend things is overwhelming that without any countervailing force where you're trying to keep yourself grounded in Mm. something, your game just lacks any sense of weight or real world resonance or authenticity. And I think that's true of a, like, I think that um, Assassin's Creed often suffers from that, where even though those games are sort of ostensibly historical fiction, frequently they get so bonkers and off the rails that it's like this. I mean, this, this is not, Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, even even in a game that is strictly adhering to uh, historical context, like a Total War or something, right. often gets picked apart for being historically inaccurate because they made choices that inevitably were there to just balance the game for X number of reasons. The the, just... the games like that that aren't exactly historically accurate, but still end up teaching you this like a similar lesson or sort of give you a feeling of of that, but without mm. I don't know. I think the strategy games that model the systems well enough that they don't get the details right are interesting, but yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously examples that are totally different, like Gone Home or something, which tries to yeah. evoke 90s kind of uh, punk and riot girl and grunge culture by just inclusion of sort of authentic seeming, and in some cases, actually authentic yeah. historical artifacts. And that stuff is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like that game would be way less effective if it didn't oh, yeah. make such an effort in that mm-hmm. area. Well, I guess that's a podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. You can send us email as well at uh, questions at idlethumbs.net. We're on Twitter at Idle Thumbs, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Idle Thumbs. And uh, as you probably know by now, we have a bunch of other podcasts on our network. You can find them all at idlethumbs.net slash shows, including the uh, very recently relaunched Idle Book Club, which uh, will have the episode on Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro going up within a week, I think, um, in the next several days. Um, Idle Weekend, which had a really, really great recent episode featuring Austin Walker of Giant Yeah, this Bomb. weekend's, this, or this last week's Idle Weekend was great. They yeah. talk about a bunch of 90s cyberpunk. 90s cyberpunk movies and games and that sort of culture in general, and it was a great listen. Mm-hmm. Yep, really, really good. Um, and then, as always, we've got three moves ahead about strategy games. We have eSports Today about the professional gaming scene, designer notes, conversations with... Uh, with game developers about all kinds of things. Uh, Terminal 7 about the Netrunner card game. And uh, am I missing anything? I think that's about it going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you like this podcast, please, please, please uh, rate us and review us on iTunes if you if you feel we deserve it. Um, tell a friend if you think you know someone who might like the podcast in your life or on forums or internet communities that you're a part of. It really helps us out a lot. And uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thanks.
Bye. Bye. Bye.